0: The following episode of The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The Paracast, Paracast dot dot plus. Plus. The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio.
1: And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Away from UFOs, away from unidentified submerged objects, away from Bigfoot, and into the world of the afterlife, which is ever fascinating because we have only one way of knowing what's really there, unless you're Mr. Spock in Star Trek 3 and 4, and you're not going to come back because you don't have a katra like Vulcans do. I don't know if Ron Iacovetti, our guest, knows what that was. Are you a Star Trek fan? I
2: am peripherally, yeah. I would not use the word Trekkie to describe myself, because it would probably be uh, an affront to people who have uniforms in their closets.
1: Well, of course it might be the ears, but seriously speaking, well, in Star Trek II, they killed off Spock. In Star Trek III, they kind of bring him back by saying that he gave his katra or soul essence, to Dr. McCoy. And now it has to be restored to Spock, and that's a complicated thing. Then there's a line in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Of course, Star Trek IV was directed by Leonard Nimoy. And there's a scene there, and this might begin our afterlife discussion with Ron, where Dr. McCoy says, you've literally gone where no man has gone before, and he tries to elicit from Mr. Spock details of the experience. And Spock says back to him, well, we lack a point of reference. And McCoy says, I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not reading the dialogue, you mean I have to be dead to know? And he says, yes. So that's where we can begin. But how did you get involved in afterlife research, Ron?
2: So I'm in New Jersey now, not the not to brag, but I'm in the in the garden state and they call it that because you're guarding your house and you're guarding your car and you're guarding your stuff. Um
1: uh, but oh, I, by the way, he's also a stand up comedian, so be aware of this.
2: I was. I have been I have been in those trenches. So I'm from New Jersey, which is where I am back living now. But at the time I began doing anything with paranormal stuff, it was, I was living in Los Angeles for 14 years. That was where I started doing it. Always fascinated, always fascinated. I even had a friend, um, when I first began doing comedy, who was a comedian slash parapsychologist, he didn't intermingle anything to do with either of those two areas whatsoever. Um, though I do think it made his speaking engagements much more engaging because he was very entertaining and brilliant named Peter Jordan. Um, Ran into circles with Lloyd Auerbach, um, who's a very renowned uh, parapsychologist. And when I lived in California, I had an opportunity to, uh, through somebody I was dating, we didn't watch any of the same things on TV. We agreed on uh, on a ghost hunting show, started watching it, and then realized that a lot of the places that they had gone in some of the seasons that had just begun were uh, local to Southern California. And then. Look for when they had open to the public events, Look for teams that were possibly open to new members. And that was where it got started for me. But I had a fascination with everything to do with ghosts and cryptids and aliens and everything. Everything that would be a supernatural labeled thing, I I was uh, enamored with as a child. And so this was an opportunity for me to put a foot into that world and see what it was like, and I took it.
1: From there, did you at all look at other paranormal subjects such as UFOs, Bigfoot, et cetera?
2: I did. I never got into them uh, at a level of study or education that I have with um, peer communication and, and paranormal research. But I did um, on a tertiary level because I was fascinated with all those things. And and you know, flash forward now, there are uh, factions of study in everything under supernatural, including those things. But there are, there are little hybrid groups, I guess, or, or hybrid factions of people who, who believe that those areas of study are interconnected. That they, and they do share commonalities in some of the traits that are uh, attributed to experiencers of ghosts and, and UFOs and USOs and cryptid sightings. And some people think that's why we don't have any hard capture of a Bigfoot because it's interdimensional. And so there's a lot of crossover between those I don't know how much to what degree it's substantiated. I am friends with some cryptozoologists who are brilliant people, but the, there is a there is a percentage of people who look at the whole landscape of all these things and think that there is some interconnectivity to the behavioral and the experiencing characteristics of those
3: what about uh, what about when you were a kid you said that uh, you know you've been interested in uh... This kind of stuff since you were a kid. Did you have any uh, any experiences, any personal experiences that you know now later on? You're like, wow, that was something.
2: That that is not only one of my favorite questions now, but the way you asked it is is the, my favorite way to have it asked. And and I'll tell you why, is because a lot of people who do paranormal research had some kind of uh, what they call in. in creative writing an inciting incident, right? Something that happens that sets the whole journey or story off. I didn't have that. I had the fascination with it, but looking back, there are things that I remember. Um, one of which is in, I believe it's in my second book called ITC technomancy which speaks to when I was a kid and my father was a musician, he's a drummer. I played for a number of years. We come from a family of musicians. And he was out playing a gig one night. And my sister, who's a a year and change older than me, we were in our bedrooms on the third floor. The drums were in the basement, one level separating us, um, in a room that was mostly soundproof that my father had built padded the walls. My mom was home watching TV. And I heard the drums playing. This happened more than once. I could hear rhythmic things coming from the instruments, that were in that room. Now, I probably at that time, you know, because of things were not as openly mainstreamed to the degree they are now, um, not as much of the negative halo to it now. But back then, I probably just was a little bit in denial and probably frightened as best I can remember to just kind of, you know, pull the covers of protection over my head and ignore it and then live to sleep another day. So but that, that was something that I look back on. To answer the question specifically, that I think probably had something supernatural to the fact that it happened, but I didn't put the pieces together at the time, nor did I uh, entertain ghosts and anything like that as an explanation for it back then. That was the part of the thing I wanted to be true back then.
3: (laughs) Well, and as you you probably well know, that uh, paranormal sounds definitely have a character all their own you know they can uh, they can appear louder than they should be and you know like you said you know you heard drums coming from a soundproof room when if your dad was down there practicing you probably wouldn't be able to hear those
2: sounds yet you were yeah that that's correct too yeah and that's and that's a great point because that's something that, that when I got into I have a an audio specific area of study now with, with doing itc or instrumental transcommunication spirit contact and in a lot of instances what i tell people when i lecture is, is that the at some point when the sound is recorded on our device on our recorders um, even if it's detectable to our ears at some point it is at least in league with laws of physics or nature as we know them with regards to sound but the origin of it is really where the paranormality is because we don't have a source there's no explanation for where this sound originated, whether it's a vocal response. We've recorded doors slamming when we were in a room when there's no door slamming and not even every recorder captured the slamming of the door. Um, so the the most anomalous part of it for me is, is the source of the, the signal, like whatever it is that's being recorded or captured um, from where it comes is, is the biggest mystery of it. To me, more so than even the fact that I capture something that shouldn't be there.
1: How do you capture Do you use a regular recording device with a mic or what?
2: Yeah, for the most part, um, it's been captured. I mean, things have been captured on digital recorders, wire recorders, since since anything was able to record device, you know, any device were able to record sound, um, EVPs have through the ages been captured. Two priests in Italy captured the one father of the, one of the two priests, his father came through saying his nickname, he recognized the voice on a wire recording of Gregorian chants. So anything that can capture sound can capture uh, anomalous vocals. For me, traditionally, if it's an EVP, electronic voice phenomenon session, it would be a, a variation of different digital recorders that I would use.
1: We'll get into more of those details in a moment with Ron, and Jane and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. the paracast.plus to learn more about paracast plus if you're
4: like most americans you're pretty much in disbelief with what's going on in the
1: world as
4: we all know global problems are having local consequences too many of them and if the peanut butter really hits the fan are you ready grocery store supply chains are only as strong as their weakest link don't wait for them to break now's the time to secure emergency food for everyone in your family my Patriot Supply is America's largest preparedness company. Our specially packaged and delicious food stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. It'll be there when you need it. Go to mypatriotsupply.com and pick up several emergency food kits. There are a dozen different sizes that average over 2,000 calories per day. Our food kits will ship quickly and discreetly to your door. Having food storage in your home beats government food lines hands down. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today and prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com
5: GCN's policy is open forum avoiding censorship. Defense costs for words spoken outside of our control supersede the ability to deliver voices to this important talk platform. The First Amendment is the foundation of our core values. Castle culture is silencing voices regardless of perspective. Freedom to speak is in the balance. Support the legitimacy of speech itself. Consider donating to SaveGCN.com. That's SaveGCN.com.
6: Extendivite testimonials on Amazon are very informative. Here's just a few. Amazon customer, five stars. Honestly, this stuff works. Nick easy to take capsules for those who can't handle the liquid drops easy to take extendivite capsules do the same job Karoka fam works great like extendivite very much seems to work as advertised thanks arlene five stars love this product extendivite terry w five stars can't say enough great product freya five stars i just ordered another to get your ExtendoVite today, go to ExtendoVite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E.com Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend
7: your life with ExtendoVite. Hey, Jimmy, turn off the video games. Let's go play some ball.
4: I'm in the middle of my game. Can't we go later?
7: Come on, it'll be fun. It'll be there when you get back.
4: Okay, but there's no way you're going to win.
7: Why don't you grab some water and granola bars, and then we'll see about that.
4: You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard. And when you do, your kids will too. A challenge from USDA.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at
1: forum.theparacast.com. Ron Yakavetti talking about the afterlife, sounds from the afterlife. Now... When you record these sounds, and by the way, we'll have one or two included in the show. In the meantime, when you record these sounds, do you know they come from a specific location in terms of where you have to be to get them or what?
2: No. And it's funny. Well, one thing I like to point out, too, by the way, is that a lot of times you'll hear the afterlife and life after death used interchangeably. And there are connotations that are different between the two. The afterlife is is indicative of where our soul or luminous essence would go should we continue after the meat pajamas are done. Life after death speaks to the continuity of us or our life force. So they're not exactly the same thing for lack of a better way to say it. We don't have a star 69 to dial back and find out where the sources of the sounds are coming from. I often tell people uh, that I would not comfortably deem a location as haunted purely based on getting anomalous vocals. Because what I've found is you can get them anywhere A lot of study into anomalous EVP and ITC research, as well as consciousness, suggests a non-locality for the vocals. Uh, In other words, somebody could call forth a relative or somebody to come through, and that person's voice may come through on a recorder, um, and you may be able to get that same thing halfway across the country somewhere else. There is a commonly held belief that there is no space-time limitation as we know it in our realm, in the realm of spirit or the dimension of spirit or wherever they are, So that would make sense that it would follow suit with how how light travels, and and there would not be any limitation to that. So we don't know with any certainty um, an origin point for the sounds. We don't even know if it's coming from within our exact environment or if it's coming through some other way and entering our environment. Uh, My girlfriend Lourdes and I have captured doing what's called direct radio voice, which I can explain after, which is... a Spirit communication, a form of radiophony, using radios to communicate that predates the Frank's box, made by Frank Sumption, the ghost box, spirit box, just using an empty white noise channel. Um, we got vocals that were anomalous in a zinc mine under the surface of the earth in New Jersey. Radios and cell phones and their signals go to this place to die. There's no reception whatsoever. So for all intents and purposes, nothing should be coming through any radio that's turned on, regardless of what the frequency of the carrier is coming in
3: some of the early research into EVP, I mean, they actually had uh, recorders in Faraday cages, and uh, yes. still managed to uh, record uh, anomalous voices.
2: Absolutely, and so we were in a geological Faraday cage. We were in a zinc mine. There was no signal anywhere in there, too. And interestingly, too, that a lot of times people who do ghost box or ITC research will take a Faraday pouch and they'll put it around a a spirit box. And this is one of the things that I speak to because I think we need to take the time to learn from those people who came before us, how they did it and why they did certain methodologies. So people will take a, a sweeping radio and they'll put it into a Faraday pouch to block RF signal, which is counterproductive to the methodology because it's supposed to be the randomization of sound fragments from the sweep that gives them something that has some tonality that we can detect to come through. So you're trying to block uh, a necessary ingredient in your process. Then they run uh, a 3.5 connector out to an external speaker outside of the pouch from the radio. But now you've created an antenna.
1: Okay. Let's go to the background here, because we're kind of in the middle of the story for people who aren't familiar with EVPs and things like that, strange sounds. Mm -hmm. What is the background? When did this begin? And how did they reach any conclusion it might have something to do with the afterlife?
2: Early on, as far back as any recording device, including even when Edison recorded with with cylind- cylindrical devices or old magnetic wire, there were voices captured that were not supposed to be there. Earlier in the research, there was a gentleman named Friedrich Jurgensen who was doing a documentary about birds. He was recording bird songs with his reel-to-reel recorder out in the field, and when you listen to it, and this happened more than once, uh, he got vocals that were talking about the birds or what he was doing, and then one of them was what was recognizable to him. It's his father's voice saying what he was calling him as a child, as a nickname. That was what kind of launched it in the modern area, the same way the the Fox sisters would be who you would pay would, were responsible for launching the spiritual movement as we know it now. Jurgensen is him, um, Sarah Estep, was in the United States at the time, Jurgensen was in Europe. These were people whose work started catching the attention of other researchers. And then you had Konstantin Radovay, who was a Latvian psychologist. He studied under Carl Jung, who got involved with Jurgensen. And what happened in Europe, which was really cool back then, was a lot of these people collaborated. A lot of them got together. They shared knowledge, they shared process, they shared results, they cross analyzed they came to a lot of the conclusions that the reason they thought this was afterlife was that they were getting vocal tonalities and messages that were personal things that people would not have any way to have known. And and that's even more impressive at a time when it was pre interwebs, right? There was no internet back then. So there was no way that certainly nobody was broadcasting on a radio frequency stuff that was personal to you or naming you or using your childhood nickname. And then voice tones As well as vocals, when you record something anomalous, you can use audio software, you can do a voice print, you can match the words by saying them into the software. And if the spectrograph matches, you can vet that fact that you're hearing what you think you're hearing. And if you match the tonality in the voice, like they've done in modern times as a new gentleman singing for a cover band for Queen, who sounds almost exactly like Freddie Mercury, they matched his voice almost to a T. So when you do stuff like that, it lends credence to the fact that you actually may be even though you can't be on a shadow of a doubt because doubt will always fester. But you can you can speak to a high probability that there is an afterlife that you're connected to it. Um, I know an ITC researcher who recorded a voice on a ghost box session and he recognized the voice as a friend he hadn't talked to him in like five years. So he reached out to try to find out where the guy was and the guy wasn't dead. He was sleeping. Now, this throws a whole curveball onto, are we communicating with consciousness of both the living and or the deceased? You know, you're looking at the verticals of like astral travel or out-of-body experience where this person's voice, he matched it.
3: There were cases as far back as uh, you know like the early days of telegraph not exactly electronic voice phenomena but uh, right. you know there were operators getting uh, intelligent morse code signals from unconnected uh, receivers i think it was like 1920 when the first telephone systems was installed in uh, Rio de Janeiro Brazil a doctor and he he wrote a book about his experiences started receiving phone calls from, you know, allegedly people who had passed off. Unfortunately the book was never translated into English, so we only have, you know, a synopsis of those experiences. But you know, we're dealing with a phenomenon that has been with us in one form or another, I think as long as we've had electronic types of communications.
2: Absolutely. Early early in the 1900s, even late 1800s, a lot of the renowned mediums in Europe were receiving messages that spoke of the advent of the electronics age and that method of communication being something that would be burgeoning in the years to come. When those things, the wire recorders, the magnetic tape, and those things started coming onto the scene, people were starting to record voices that they should not have had. Let's
1: okay. do a break. We've got Ron and Gene and Tim. Voices from... Beyond, you're in
2: the terracast.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
5: If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why
9: The funeral for Queen Elizabeth II has been announced. It'll take place Monday, September 19th at Westminster Abbey in London. The UK's longest-serving sovereign died Thursday at her summer residence in Scotland. Her eldest son was officially proclaimed the new British monarch. King Charles III officially ascended upon the death of his mother. Ukrainian forces are claiming their first significant battlefield success in months as Russia announced it was pulling back its forces from two areas in the Kharkiv region. An auto parts plant in Kokomo, Indiana is on strike. Members of the UAW at the Stellantis casting plant are citing health and safety concerns as the cause of the strike. They make parts used in the powertrains of Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram vehicles. The defense for fallen singer R. Kelly has rested in his federal trial. He's accused of fixing his 2008 state trial. I'm Kenneth Burns, USA Radio News.
10: Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of...
9: Only you can prevent
10: wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly? Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.
3: What kind of help does the IRS have for identity theft victims?
10: If you suspect you're a victim of tax-related identity theft, go to irs.gov slash identity theft to learn how to prevent potential refund fraud and protect your tax account. At the IRS, combating tax-related identity theft is a top priority, and we are committed to prevention, detection, and assisting victims, and we're working with law enforcement to catch the criminals. For more info, go to irs.gov slash identity theft to learn what the IRS is doing to help protect you.
11: american funding now and see how much cash out you can get call 800-721-2477 800-721-2477 800-721-2477 that's 800-721-2477 nmls 6606 www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org this is not an offer or commitment to lend subject to borrower and property qualifications not all borrowers will qualify terms and conditions apply equal housing opportunity
1: This is me,
10: the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan.
1: Let me reassure people from the previous segment of the show, Tim Swartz did not talk to us from the afterlife. That is not a ghostly voice. That is a voice of some sort. Okay, so obviously... In order to accept this logic, Ron, we have to say, number one, there's an afterlife, some source from which these voices originate, especially if they come from people who are no longer here. I suppose for the sake of argument, you can say, well, there's a multiverse out there, another universe, a parallel world where the equivalent person is still alive and communicating. Now, the messages themselves... Are they things that you can interact with? Hey, Uncle Abe, what's this? Where are you?
2: So, yes. And it's it's funny that you mentioned that, too, because there are schools of thought um, where people think it's either uh, multiverse or, you know, different timelines overlapping and such. So one of the interesting things is from a scientific perspective, a lot of there are those who don't believe that methodology wise that string theory is really scientific in nature because you can't create a false positive. Any methodology to be scientific in nature has to be lending itself to to having a false positive. And you can't do that with string theory. There's no way to test it. It is theoretical in its entirety. So there are instances that we personally have, my girlfriend Lourdes and I have had recordings where, where the voices that came through sounded like us. They sounded like us. And that was something that people have thrown out there going, maybe that's you in a different time in the same space alternate dimension i mean these things are very hard to prove but they did sound in a couple of instances they did sound like us and they are absolutely as traditional hauntings are, are declared where you have residual or intelligent these are these are in most of the cases when we do our radio work doing direct radio voice which is born out of itc i mean the evp research they are responsive; they are answering us. we're saying, "Who's here or what are we doing?" or specific questions or identifiers, and they are absolutely intelligent responses, so it is interactive now it's quite the other side of the hand there, right at the same token when when ghost hunters are out in the field somewhere and they use a device and the word then the device spits out the word "demon," they go, "Oh, it's a demon, there's a demon here, just because something or somebody says something does not necessarily mean that that's an identification and that they're telling you who they are and what they are either. I could say astronaut doesn't mean I'm going to space tomorrow. You know what I mean? So you have to use a certain level of discernment and and work with what you have and not try to create more narrative that makes sense with the level of evidence that you're talking about.
1: Okay. Let me ask you here about these voices. Do they suddenly start somewhere where someone starts hearing a voice and said, let's take out the recorder. What happens? How does this begin?
2: That's a great question. There are what's called direct voices, or um, in the ghost hunting community, they would call it disembodied, when that's actually something you can faintly hear with your ear without the use of any kind of third-party instrument like a recorder or a radio. And third-party meaning not influenced by the individual or the operator or experiencer. For us specifically, when we do what's called radiophony, we're using radios to communicate um, and doing direct radio voice we don't turn it on because we're hearing things. We turn it on and we do regular sittings like mediums would do, like they would have what they call a sitting instead of a session. We would do it as a routine for a little over three years. We had the same day, almost the exact same time every week, at least that time, if not another added day to it, to have like a schedule and a routine to create some kind of reliability and making contact. And that was what early researchers in Europe had suggested doing. We found that that actually helped the efficacy of the of the method of connecting faster, of getting uh, clear vocals to come through. Mediums may pick up things where they get messages or hear things or get visions. And then if they also use devices, they may opt to do that way. That pathway that you described is is certainly possible for some, but for us, we do it as a regular uh, collection or aggregation of, of data to see what we can get and then try to look for trends in it and see if we can figure out what works, what doesn't work. Uh, as more of a routine schedule, not so much because we heard things in the moment, but those, those instances happen, what's called, again, direct voice or disembodied. You may hear a vocal in an environment that has no source that you can discern.
1: Just to let our listeners know, we've had three shows focusing on EVPs. Two featured Michael Esposito. Do you know him?
2: I don't know. The name sounds very familiar, though.
1: The other one was David Roundtree. The two episodes with Michael Esposito were October 17th, 2010, November 6th, 2016. The one with David Roundtree was December 15th, 2013. The key here, of course, is that we presented some of the recordings. I have to tell you that some of them didn't sound like a voice. They just sound like something that you could possibly interpret if you did a little... Thinking or maybe it's a cosmic Rorschach test. It seems to be a voice, but it's not clearly a voice. So I don't know. We'll listen to what you have to present and get another opinion about that. But the question I would have here is that does it have to be in a specific type of location like a haunted house?
2: No, definitely not. That's that's the thing I was saying earlier that I've found that I would not consider any location haunted purely on the fact that you can get anomalous vocals because I've been able to get them everywhere I've set up to run direct radio voice. Um again, if you're talking about a, a spirit realm or dimensional area where whichever it, it in fact ends up being, I guess we find out when we get there, and it's not bound to space-time or 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 a Newtonian matter existence that we teach then it's hard to, at the same time, ascribe to that limitations of only being in certain locations and in certain places. There are people who have had what they call an attachment. They've had spirits at a location that were not so nice, follow them home and then, and then they have to go through a whole thing to try to get rid of it. And So the locations may play a part in maybe what spirits are around or come through, but the location itself not always necessary but i will say this is is, especially since we're using electronics there are certain aspects of an environment this is this is one of the areas where the involvement of science kind of runs a little bit off the road because science has a propensity to, to take things out of an environment and bring it into a laboratory or somewhere they can control it and try to recreate it but the problem is is in some instances or environments the factors that could be facilitating the anomalies are inherent to the environment so that's That's like taking something and removing some of the ingredients and then trying to recreate it somewhere else. You're changing the equation and trying to come up with the same answer. So in some instances it may, it may have something to do with the location, but I would not say that you have to specifically go to an area that's been labeled haunted and then you can get voices to come through. The voices have come through in instances when people aren't even looking for them. Um, That was a, a big part of how some of the early EVP or instrumental transcommunication ITC stuff started.
1: Is there a proportion of the number of people who hear these voices who know the person who is speaking to them?
12: I
2: love that question. I don't think I've ever had that question posed. Um, I would love to see the data on that I think I think from from an academic standpoint, that kind of a question would 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 segregate two different audiences i think you'd have you'd have one where you thought were you know wishful thinking uh paradolia hearing what you want to hear trying to create the narrative around something and then you would have the other ones like some of the ones i described before when they match the voice when they were Id- and identifying things that they should have no business knowing coming out of a radio or coming out of thin air and going out to a recorder when it's arguable it's very difficult to debunk the fact that that should not have ever been captured the way that it was done. Um, so I would say that that's probably, it would probably be a dividing question for a, a lot of people. I have a, an instance where uh, less than a year ago at a, an investigation I was invited to in Vernon, New Jersey, where I was running direct radio voice, which is just people know the ghost boxes of the spirit boxes. They s- sweep through the radio frequencies at different speeds forward, backwards, um, direct radio voice predates that it's just an empty white noise barren frequency long wave short wave medium wave um, and it's just literally just the empty frequency
1: let's do a break here we have more to come with Ron Yacovetti spirit voices with Gene Ron and Tim you're in the barricades
8: thank you for listening to GCN
16: are you watching your retirement savings melt away right in front of your eyes as the economy crumbles? Well, if you have an IRA, 401k or similar account, I need to tell you about a better way that was revealed by a Wall Street Journal best-selling book. Simply put, you can opt out of the insanity and convert your existing retirement account into the most stable physical asset in history, physical gold and silver. Plus, this conversion might qualify you for an IRS loophole that could save you even more. Today, Advantage Gold is giving away a completely free audiobook version of the national bestseller, Gold is a Better Way. Just text the word BETTER to 48542 to get your copy. That's B-E-T-T-E-R to 48542. By the time you drive home, this simple step may save the future value of your retirement. It's not too late if you're not prepared. You can take action now and claim a free copy. Text the word BETTER to 48542. That's B-E-T-T-E-R to 48542. Message and data rates may apply. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a
11: tax advisor. Hi, this is James Fox. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: As I said a little bit later in the show, we're going to hear one or two voices to get a sense of it. I'm wondering here, is it possible to go to a place where voices might be heard and say, Give me Uncle Abe give me my father, give me somebody I know, and maybe that person will respond?
2: It's a possibility. To know it with absolute certainty is difficult because there's always room for doubt. But if you stack up enough of the pieces, if you have enough of a preponderance of evidence, it becomes far more reasonable to assume that than not. The one instance I was uh, alluding to was I was invited to an investigation in Vernon, New Jersey. I was running direct radio voice, just an empty white noise frequency, and I'm filtering it in real time. A lot of people who do spirit communication will use audio software to clean up the noise when they review it. Um, Then sometimes they'll even slow it down for you when they review it so you can hear the voices better. I am doing both of those things in real time because ITC is supposed to be dialogue, not record and review, like EVP. And so this investigation in Vernon where I got the idea to slow it down specifically in real time, which was hard to do was I played a recording back when I was in the room by myself, everybody else was outside of the structure and I sound drunk because I'm playing it at 50% slowed down speed. I was very sober, but it sounded like I wasn't. And I, there's vocals in there that says Ronnie, it's mom. It's Lucy, which is my mother's mother. Both of them are, have since passed and this whole message. And all I heard in the moment was the word on, which was actually when I had asked if you know who I am, say it, and they said, Ron. I didn't hear the whole thing. When I slowed it down, all this stuff was there. So for me, that specific experience, I would say I didn't go to this place to find my grandmother or my mother, but it's as compelling as I've heard since both of them have been gone, and my mother was the last one to pass in 2019, where it's specifically, Ronnie, nobody called me that. Um, My grandmother called me that, or my mother called me that. And then some of the stuff they said, now this is what's interesting is speaking to the, the involvement of consciousness, right? Because if they're not in our physical environment and we're creating mechanical sound waves with our larynx, that sound only propagates so far, then it evens out with the cohesiveness of the air and it's gone, right? Your voice doesn't keep traveling forever. So something or somebody who was not in my physical environment not only spoke to me on that recording, but also responded. I didn't hear, Ronnie, it's mom, it's Lucy, I'm connecting. I didn't hear that. The next thing I said after that paused was, is my mother going to be with me tonight? And then a female says, yes, you're lucky. So interesting that I would even ask about her right after something came through that was allegedly from her and or my grandmother without knowing it. So that's where I believe in some instances consciousness comes in because there's no – physical materialist newtonian worldview accepted scientific way to explain how a voice can respond to me through an empty white noise channel on a radio when nobody's hearing me
1: now the question here we would have to bring up is in all cases when a voice is present you hear a voice you want to get your recording device out does everybody in the room hear that same voice
2: that's another excellent question. So EVP, no. Disembodied voice or directed voice, possibly. Um, there are instances when more than one person may hear a disembodied voice. EVP, um, by definition, those come in at, at decibel levels or hertz levels that, that, the, that the human ear cannot detect. The same way right now AM and FM radio is flying past our head, but we can't hear it until it's modulated down. Same principle. Um, doesn't mean the voices or the sounds aren't present. Or we're just not able to detect them. Now, this is where it stepped into my wheelhouse or realm because I love radio stuff. And I did tons of ghost box and spirit box research and experiments for a long time. But the direct radio voice I like even more because it doesn't have the same brevity to the messages or longer. And the purity of um, just north of EVP because there's nothing except white noise. That's it. Um, There's no human vocal fragments from cycling through broadcasts. There's no broadcast. So when you hear what sounds like speech or vocals, it shouldn't be there. In those cases, my girlfriend and I have been doing something now a couple of places. We did it in Pine Bush at the UFO and Paranormal Museum. We're going back there in October called Digital Seance, where we're having the focus of a seance sitting where everybody's collective consciousness or what's called morphic resonance is all kind of pooled in and focused on the same setting and the same trying to communicate with spirit, running concurrently with direct radio voice, which is the empty white noise thing I described. In those instances... Yes, to answer the question, absolutely. Everybody or a majority of people in the room will hear a voice respond or say something in response or if it initiates a statement or a question, and then you will have a group of people in the room who will hear the same thing when it comes through.
1: When asking questions of this disembodied voice, do people pose questions like, where are you, what are you doing?
2: Absolutely. You'll hear everything from the mundane to the ridiculous. We had uh, a, a lady named Megan from a group called Transcend Paranormal out of Virginia when we were in Gettysburg recently, and we did a digital seance one night, and she asked a question that had to do with God. It was it was a very deep question. I don't want to get into it necessarily, but um, – and it got an answer, and it was – and everybody just gasped because we all heard it. So people will ask a variety of things. I think one of the things that – if you had to find a common thread between the different types of questions, what are you doing? Um, a lot of people ask if they can see us. My girlfriend, Lourdes, and I have had sessions when we've been home and said, you know, she asked what color is the couch and they have described it. What am I holding in my hand? They've described it. We One of the, the files I gave you for audio, we would number all of our sessions or sittings. And on the 137th one, as I had up until that point for several sessions, and I did it after that, this one specific time I asked again, could you tell me the session number? And they said one, three, seven. And three of us were sitting there for the session and we all heard it. So I think removal of self doubt, because we all have a, le- a level of, of, of skeptic or criticism within us, which is normal and healthy to have. And so I think a lot of times we look into, we're looking to quelch that a little bit. We're looking to satisfy that, but for some people it's a little bit more insatiable, but we're looking to satisfy that curiosity, that skepticism by defying what we are taught is plausible or possible, which is you really, for all intents and purposes, should not be speaking to a radio. That's only a receiver, not a transceiver in a room that's closed and they get a response out of it. That really shouldn't happen. So some of those types of questions that you mentioned, um, people will ask in hopes of getting something back, which will to them satisfy the question of whether or not we're actually making contact with another realm or dimension or whatever it is. And, when you get the answer, it's really hard. To, it's really hard to think you're not.
1: Has any of this information been submitted to skeptics with the I mean, obvious question, "Hey, how do you explain this?"
2: Yes, and um, and I love that you asked me that because one of the things I'm huge on, especially when I lecture, is using terminology and knowing what the words mean. And I'm not talking from a, uh, an education or intellectual snooty kind of a you know, don't you know what transmission means? I don't mean that. I mean using like jargon or terminology, a skeptic by definition wants the truth. They want absolution. They are open-minded to whatever is possible and anything is possible. They just want to know the truth. In the paranormal field, this title has been hijacked by people who don't believe anything is paranormal They don't think it's possible. They think it's all pareidolia. We're all tricking ourselves. It's all wishful thinking. It's all sound artifacts that sound like words and we're making up what we want to hear and creating narratives. And that's not a skeptic. That's a believer. The believer is what we call the people who think everything's a ghost. But truth be told, if anybody thinks nothing is paranormal and if somebody thinks everything is paranormal, they are the same thing. They are believers. They're just opposing paradigms. But both of those are believers. So the reason I bring that up is because to answer the question, when you put this stuff in front of somebody, the thing that will trump any level of education, any academic or scientific background, or for people who have just tons of field experience doing experiments with everything from run-of-the-mill ghost boxes to really high-tech stuff, bias, if in the driver's seat, governs everything. It governs everything. There are people who will, in the face of irrefutable, undeniable vocals or anomalies that have been vetted, still won't accept it. I would say there's people, if Bigfoot handed them their car keys, they wouldn't believe in them because they have a vested position. They they have a bias that governs either their their role in the field, if they're known as something that's a skeptic, or if they have a career that they feel might be, you know, would be tarnished if people knew that they were into this stuff. So that's a very clear distinction. So yes, it has been presented to those people. And in a lot of cases, they won't, they won't accept it if they can't debunk it, which if I may, um, another huge thing is that there's a, there's this concept that if you fail to beat the burden of proof, which is by hundred percent is difficult um, that something is paranormal in nature, that the person who thinks it's not wins. And it's not isn't it, this, is this is not Little League Baseball.
1: Hey, the you know, before we get on to Little League Baseball yes. and Paranormal Skepticism, we have Ron Yakavetti. We're talking about possible voices from the afterlife. With Gene, Ron and Tim, you're in
3: the third cast.
8: You are listening to GCN.
1: Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just fifty a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus.
7: My name is Stephen Hewer. In 1976, when I was 15 years of age, I was poisoned from two mercury dental fillings. The mercury came off these fillings in such high amounts that I went from having excellent health to having chronic constipation and candida overgrowth. I could barely eat any food for four years, which resulted in adrenal exhaustion by the age of 20. Despite years of diet experimentation, juice fasting, and intestinal cleansing, it was not until I took certain prescription sulfur amino acids that I healed my eliminatory function and eliminated my candida overgrowth. Later, it was not until I began to consume green Green Metal Way that I eliminated my mercury burden 100%. Had Green Metal Way existed in 1976, I could have healed my gut and body decades earlier. Green Metal Way supplies a very high concentration of the sulfur amino acids needed to fuel glutathione production. Glutathione removes mercury and virtually all other toxins from the body. Set your body free from the burden of heavy metals and environmental toxins with Green Metal Way. To order, go to bestwayprotein.net. That's bestwayprotein.net or call 888-988-3325. Welcome
0: back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg.
1: So basically here, the skeptical theory is, unless you can really prove, this is from the afterlife, well, you haven't proved anything at all. The question, however, is you're making the claim of something paranormal, something unusual, something weird's going on that we can't explain, it's not Mm -hmm. the job of the skeptic to prove that or disprove it. They can simply say this is not proven. The skeptic doesn't have to say this can't happen because that's not how it works. You have to assume a basis of science and then if something comes out that's an anomaly, okay, how do we demonstrate this thing is real and something that is not being explained right now?
2: One of the one of the problems with with following it is that that follows a, a very materialist worldview, older Newtonian belief. You know, if you can't see it, touch it, feel it, it doesn't exist.
1: Um, That's not saying it doesn't exist. What I'm saying is something okay. exists, but how can we assume it is that and not something else?
2: Ah, well, I mean... In most cases you're looking at preponderance of evidence to try to decide what most probably seems like what it is you're encountering or experiencing that's why i i i I always start out with defining it because by definition a skeptic wants the truth and if that truth is that the sound is coming from your air conditioner and it's not coming from a ghost and that's what it is but when the mind is closed to the possibility of it being something that is not your core belief, that is where you run into to bias and not to process. Because there are people who are skeptics in the field who will say that the the burden of proof is on the person staking the claim. right? So I say this piece of audio evidence is paranormal. I have the burden of proof. That's true. But there's only three possible positions when it comes to a piece of evidence, only three. It is paranormal, it's not paranormal, and I don't know. Now, if it's I don't know, then even if I think it's a ghost and you think it's I don't know, we're still in agreement. It's anomalous, right? You don't know. I don't know. But I think it's a ghost.
1: To say that it's a ghost, Ron, we have Mm -hmm. to demonstrate there are ghosts. And then we can look at what ghosts might do. We have to demonstrate there's an afterlife, because even if someone claims to be your dead Uncle Abe. I keep mentioning Uncle Abe because he was a fascinating guy and I'd love to talk to (laughs) him. He's been dead for 40 years. But the key here is even if that person says, I am Uncle Abe, how do I know that's something from the afterlife and it's Uncle Abe there communicating it with me? It might be somebody who knows me and comes up with that. It might be a force that can create this by reading you by understanding, oh, you have an Uncle Abe you'd like to talk to, or your brother right. Wally, or somebody that right. you'd like. It doesn't mean there's an afterlife, because again, to quote Mr. Spock, we'd lack a frame of reference for someone from the afterlife, because we'd have to be dead to find out what it really is.
2: Yes, for the most part, I, I agree. But so the, the thing is, is that it's not, the debate is not whether or not it's it's a ghost in, to prove that it's Uncle Abe, because even... When I referenced the piece of audio that I believe could very well have been my mother, I don't say with certainty that I know that it is because I cannot, beyond a shadow of a doubt, prove that it is. Though if you voice, print, and match a vocal tonality, you've got a lot stronger case in saying something like that. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that even those other possibilities for what you described, those are still anomalous. Those still don't fall under the materialist view of, of sound and matter and how things only work Pertaining to the laws of of standard physics, it's outside of that. So if it's an entity or something's reading you and it's not way, but it says it is, like the example I said, when something says demon but it's not necessarily a demon just because it says the word, that's all true. But that's the the argument is that it's it's anomalous, that it's not the operator or the person thinking, wishful thinking, tricking themselves, you know, identifying artifacts of sound as words. When you can, there are steps that can be taken to vet the authenticity of the words what they're saying and the tonalities the decibel levels being something the human vocal tract can't do that one that i slowed down to 50 percent. i don't care if the person's an auctioneer on cocaine they can't speak that fast and enunciate at the speed these voices came in when they were in real time
1: See, that's that's one thing thing. i don't understand i don't understand that ron why some voices appear to be a normal speed others Mm -hmm. require doing something funky with the recording to find the voice that doesn't make sense if there's a capability of sending that transmission through why require somebody to go through all sorts of nooks and crannies to find out about it
2: well it might not be a requirement as much as it might just be an, uh, an issue of circumstance too the, the process of trying to connect that way it was uh, was termed uh, temporal synchronization you've You've got two different realms or dimensions or whatever it is. You have a physical space that is not the same, if it's another physical space even. Now, look at how difficult that can be when we have line of sight transmission with a cell phone. I I can't always get somebody on the phone that I want to because they might not have signal. I might not have signal. Sometimes the device glitches out. So circumstances, environmental or even technical, if it's a device, can play a part in that. So it might not be that they're doing it. One of the things that I think is a possibility is that these voices are coming to us using the wave functions of light. Photons have wave functionality. When it interacts with something, it collapses and becomes a particle. I think that could be part of it or zero-point energy because of these things. Like we got voices in the mine, that's not RF signal. There's no carrier wave getting down into the surface under the surface of the Earth in the zinc mine. So somehow a voice came through the radio that got into that environment. It's got to be on a quantum level. It's got to be on something that's deeper than that. So I don't know that it's by design or maybe just by process, by however these things, whether they're thought forms or if there is some kind of tech in another dimension, they just come through faster. That is one of the reasons that, like, Verizon Files, for example, uses fiber optics. It's glass, data transmission over glass, is using light. It travels faster and more efficiently. You don't have the degradation that you get from vibration or heat with coax and wire and metal.
1: Well, I'm certainly trying to understand how this works, how this particular system works. So basically, when we suggest it may be from the afterlife or Uh maybe a ghost voice, we're being convenient in saying that. We don't know where it's from, but for various reasons, we can say, well, this is Uncle Abe. Therefore, it's from the afterlife because he's dead. This is a voice after seeing a ghost, therefore, it must be the ghost.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're using we're using things to label or to categorize things that we're familiar with the same way ancients would have said, you know, chariots flying through the sky, which now ancient aliens theorists think are flying saucers or ships. We're using the jargon of the terminology of the vernacular of our time to try to describe or categorize things that are happening. One of the things that makes people a little bit more definitive on the Uncle Abe or whatever it is, is when there's proprietary information, When specific, this has happened through mediums, it has happened through the radios, um, when information is passed along that is very specific, that is, is authenticated after the fact, that answers a question in real time that should not have been possible. Those things, it, again, it doesn't speak to 100% that that's the person who it is, because In the studies of consciousness, they think that there's, you know, or if you look at what uh, the Akashic records and there's the whole what's called morphic resonance that all things living past, present, future are like the force in Star Wars interconnected and everything's out there. So it's possible that things that Uncle Abe would have only known might be accessible to other spirits who are able to come through or entities or whatever they are. So it doesn't 100 percent prove it. But those instances for those of us who who do the research, it, it levels it up because it's a little bit more proofworthy when something is that specific or that proprietary and, and, they, and somehow whoever it is coming through knows it.
1: So if you hear from my uncle Abe, these are the questions to ask. <laughs> what is your full name? What is your full name?
2: Uh-huh.
1: And what was your main profession when you went to work? What was your profession? That. I, might I, I might think, do a... pardon?
2: I might actually do a radio sitting tonight. Um, we do them all the time, like I said. So I may, I may ask and see if I can get those for you. Who knows?
1: Well, yes, I want you to tell me like, what his full name was, because I'm okay. not identifying that. Some of it might nope. be obvious, but what his full name was and what his profession was. What did he do for work? And those okay. are two simple questions to answer if you are in touch with him. And he died, what, 40 years ago. So he's okay. had plenty of time to work this out. We've got more time to work it out <laughs> with Ron Yakafetti, with Gene, and Tim. You're in.
3: pay the Paracast.
1: Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast+. Plus. Once again, Paracast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out Paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're
4: like most Americans, you're pretty much in disbelief with what's going on in the world. As we all know, global problems are having local consequences. Too many of them. And if the peanut butter really hits the fan, are you ready? Grocery store supply chains are only as strong as their weakest link. Don't wait for them to break. Now's the time to secure emergency food for everyone in your family. My Patriot Supply is America's largest preparedness company. Our specially packaged and delicious food stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. It'll be there when you need it. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and pick up several emergency food kits. There are a dozen different sizes that average over 2,000 calories per day. Our food kits will ship quickly and discreetly to your door. Having food storage in your home beats government food lines hands down. Go to mypatriotsupply.com today and prepare for what's coming. Mypatriotsupply.com
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at
1: forum.theparacast.com. Now, the voice I'd really like to hear is not just Uncle Abe, because I liked him. He was one of my favorite people. It's It's Jim Mosley, because he was a real skeptic about this a great Barker or even our good friend Tim and I our good friend Tim Beckley that would be fun to hear Tim Beckley's voice coming from the other side or wherever he is Ron Iacovetti is talking to us about voices from somewhere else and for people who want to get involved in this you mentioned specific pieces of equipment that are familiar to people who study this subject But maybe you can tell us more about the spirit thingies and the ghost boxes and all that. Talk about each specific piece of equipment, take your time, and what do they do and how can you get one if you really want to get into this?
2: Well, that's very cool. appreciate that. Um, So the one thing I will say um, with regard to the the, the loved one things, just real quickly, there's a gentleman from Italy named Marcello Bacci who did direct radio voice scientists uh, studied him for three or four years they made him work with rf signal shielded. they made him work with his radio open he's using an old vacuum tube radio they took the tubes out he was getting real-time dialogue like we're talking out of an old vacuum tube radio and one of the things that he did he had parents who had lost children at a young age come to his sittings in grossetto italy regularly and he would they would parents would hear the voices of the children then they would say things that were specific or proprietary to that person and he would provide closure and solace to a lot of people that is one of the biggest things I love about doing what I'm doing with it right now. We've had uh, several instances when we've had people feel like they've connected with a loved one. And you're not trying to prove it to them, but if they're having that experience and something positive comes out of it for them, that's awesome. To get to the question, ITC is using a 3rd party instrument or a radio. The difference, instrumental transcommunication versus EVP, again, is it's not recorded and review It's meant to be dialogue. It was um, for people who want to know where the science is in this stuff. Physicist Dr. Ernst Sinkowski in Germany, he's the one that came up with the term ITC. He did it in the 1990s, um, even though EVP has been around much longer, to delineate between record and review and dialogue in the moment. In the United States domestically, the Franks box made by Frank Sumption, um, which cycles through or sweeps, as they say, through AM or FM frequencies um, at varying speeds, to give random phonemes or allophones, little fragments of sound, to spirit, which is people believe just an energy form, they don't have a larynx or vocal cords, so that they can create vibratory toned words that we can hear and we can have contact. That is what is most prevalent on TV. You can go to websites, you can buy spirit boxes, are called. Um, you can find builders like uh, Stephen Katie Halte, Katie and K.D. Safford, Austin Maynard, Jay Pray. These are people who make custom ghost boxes that are sweeping radios that are phenomenal. They're great devices. The methodology does seem to yield results. What Lourdes and I do here, it's not really prevalent in the United States. You don't see it on TV. It predates that method. Um, it was uh, transitional almost between EVP and the ghost boxes in between those two faces using an empty white noise channel, which was meant to support audio during EVP to make the EVPs more detectable for recorders. And then through that direct radio voice was born, which is what the gentleman Marcello Bacci did in Italy to do direct radio voice. All you need is a world band radio. You can get an AM FM with long, short, medium wave radio. You put it on an empty channel and literally do that the same day and record it. And it, it will be a crawl in the beginning because it is not, you know, your cell phone carrier, who's conveniently taking your money to connect you with your friends and loved ones on social media and otherwise every day. It is a different thing that you're trying to do. It is a fantastical thing to try to connect to whether it's afterlife or a realm of spirit or whatever it is. And it is academically speaking, a more accepted form of spirit contact or the attempt to have spirit contact because it is an empty white noise frequency. What we think from a scientific or sound properties um, for lack of a better way to say it, Uh, explanation is something called stochastic resonance because within pure white noise there's a a whole cacophony of, of varying frequencies when a source signal or in this case the voice of spirit or ghost or whatever it is when a source signal when something enters into the white noise and resonates with one of those frequencies those two frequencies embolden each other but not the white noise so you have a greater signal to noise ratio making what was not detectable before now detectable whether it's to a device or possibly to your ear and then what we do with direct radio voice we've taken a, uh, a technological spin so we're using the pure white noise and i'm using an audio software and i'm filtering it in real time where people clean up their ghost boxes or stuff in review um i'm cleaning it up in real time i'm using an artificial intelligence that looks for speech so you can't use a ghost box or anything that has human vocals even fragmented because you'd be putting into the equation what you're hoping to find in it. So the pure white noise filtered live through an AI, and I'm slowing it down in real time just enough to make more of what comes through discernible. Cause through my four years of doing direct radio voice, that is something that I have found trend wise is that for everything that I hear in real time, a lot of times there is more for elongated sentences that go on for minutes that are, at a speed, the human vocal tract can't replicate, and even the best ear. My girlfriend's a court reporter by trade, so she hears everything. She hears people talking over each other and takes it down for the record. She still can't catch all that stuff. It's too fast. Those are the main two ways of doing it. You can try the ghost boxes or the spirit boxes that sweep the, right, the broadcast frequencies that are available on a consumer level, or you can get them custom-made online for different builders. And then there's what we do, which is direct radio voice. Empty white noise channel, you can literally start tomorrow at an empty AM, long, short, or medium wave frequency.
1: It's almost like asking the question Do you hear the tree falling in the forest if you're not in the forest? Does it I love produce produces okay. sound. There's a, now, there's a so the point being here, Ron, is does this Definitely. voice exist if nobody's searching for it? Are we dealing with like radio waves where they're always present? Or a Wi-Fi radiation is always present, or do you have to have the machine, the cart before the horse or horse before the cart? You have to have the machine doing its thing for that voice to appear.
2: I think they're always present um, because of the the reliability within which we've been able to capture them or connect to them. And to, to put it into more of the accepted worldview terms, like I said earlier, AM and FM radio stations are flying past our heads right now. It's at, a, it's at a vibratory rate and a, a level that we can't detect with our ear, but when it's modulated down, we can. So it is not an exclusivity to the world of paranormal to say that you know, the device is inherent in, in being able to even know that the voices are there because a lot of our normal stuff, radio, terrestrial radio, operates the same way.
1: What you're basically saying here is that these individuals like to talk to themselves because they have no idea if anybody's going to hear them.
2: Well, that's funny that you said that because a lot of the recordings sometimes or a lot of the sessions does sound like entities or voices or wherever they are are engaging in conversation with each other and not always speaking in response to us. But the voices are anomalous. They shouldn't be there, but we're still hearing them. So that that is absolutely one of the characteristics of how these these sessions can play out.
1: Ah, imagine here you're in the afterlife. You have nothing to do, so you talk. Hope oh, maybe somebody's going to hear you. Ron, Jean, and Tim, you're in. This is
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNLive.com today.
9: USA Radio News. The funeral for Queen Elizabeth II has been announced. It'll take place Monday, September 19th at Westminster Abbey in London. The UK's longest serving sovereign died Thursday at her summer residence in Scotland. Her eldest son was officially proclaimed the new British monarch. King Charles III officially ascended upon the death of his mother. Ukrainian forces are claiming their first significant battlefield success in months as Russia announced it was pulling back its forces from two areas in the Kharkiv region. An auto parts plant in Kokomo, Indiana is on strike. Members of the UAW at the Stellantis Casting Plant are citing health and safety concerns as the cause of the strike. They make parts used in the powertrains of Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram vehicles. The defense for fallen singer R. Kelly has rested in his federal trial He's accused of fixing his 2008 state trial. I'm Kenneth Burns, USA Radio News.
14: Every day we take steps to keep the people we love safe, but some health risks are easy to miss. Ticks hiding in the yard can spread germs that can cause Lyme disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Mice searching for sources of food can spread bacteria and disease. Mosquitoes breed in standing water and can transmit illnesses like West Nile virus and Zika virus. Roaches are drawn to water in the home and can leave behind allergens that trigger asthma attacks. Stinging insects attack in defense of their nests and send more than half a million people to the emergency room every year. Household pests are a threat to our health. Learn what you can do to protect your family at pestworld.org. This is Jennifer Stein, executive producer of The Disclosure Dialogues. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: What you're saying here, Ron, is those voices are always there if you're in the right location. Now, you mentioned before it's not necessarily a haunted house or anything, but is there any other weather and or electrical characteristic that is common to places where these voices are most often heard
2: so yes i am saying that that i think that the voices are ever present not necessarily in specific locations i do think that certain things as we know them within our realm within what we know is accepted physics like crystals which are used in computers which can in fact you you can apply pressure to crystals it's called piezoelectricity Uh, you can create current that way so i do do think that environmental factors, uh, a high saturation of quartz in an environment, can help facilitate contact the same way the devices are allowing us to make contact or do it. There are instances when, when yeah, IR, infrared, UV, different frequencies, blending of frequencies, and a lot of things can do that. Uh, and I love the thing you said, the, the tree falling in the woods making a noise thing, too. I would have always my whole life said, of course, it does. But there's a school of thought called biocentrism that suggests that if there isn't a receptor that will receive a sound, it's not a sound, it's just a disturbance to the air. And those disturbances or those vibratory movements can happen through, through water, through metal, through air, most efficiently through water or metal, but they happen through the air. And it becomes a sound when it hits a receptor, which is the ear or the device, and then you have something that has a level of of, of tonality to it or that's detectable at that point. I think ever-present, like right now, there's radio stations that are happening around me. Unless I use something that allows me to connect to them, I don't hear them. But they're still there.
3: You talked about in the previous segment, the uh, Italian gentleman uh, Bhakti. There's a really well-done documentary on YouTube that our listeners can look up. And there's some some really excellent examples of the conversations that he picked up using his that uh, vac- old, very old-fashioned vacuum tube shortwave radio. And you have to realize that this was a receiver. Yeah, it wasn't a receiver and a tr- transmitter. It was just a receiver. Yet there are full-blown conversations going on between this gentleman, the people in the room, and whatever entities are broadcasting on these unused channels. And not just conversations. There's choirs singing very very well understood uh singing going on with these demonstrations and it's it's really it's a far far cry from the evp sessions and i think a lot of people are probably familiar with where there may be you know one or two distorted words that are difficult to discern Mm -hmm. these conversations are just crystal clear
2: yeah yeah i love that you brought him up there's two documentaries one's the afterlife investigations about the skull experiment that has something with Marcello in it. And then there's the um, calling earth, which is on Vimeo and I think on YouTube, there's a woman in this, one of the scenes when he's having those dialogues through the radio named Dr. Annabelle Cardoso. She's the one who started me out doing records. She actually wrote the, about the author for my first book. She is who I've bounced off ideas and learned how to do direct radio voice from. And then I've just taken a little bit of a technological spin to it by slowing it down and and filtering it in real time to try to get more clarity of doing it a different way and using the stochastic resonance part of it. And he, for the skeptic-minded, cynical, you know, what about science, yada yada crowd, there was a group called Il Laboratorio in Italy. They investigated him for three to five years. They had him work with RF Signal Shielded. They put him in a lab. And blocked the radio signal. They had detectors. There was no way to get a signal into that room. So there's a lot of people who theorize that the carrier wave, the radio received, was being forged on a quantum level in the environment because nothing was coming in. They took the vacuum tubes out of his radio. One of the gentlemen in in the scientific group said, I'm going to take all the tubes out. If I take one out, you get voices, I'll take two. If I take two out, you get voices, I'll take three. If I take all three out, you get voices, I'll eat the tube. And they did it. One, two, three. And he was still getting voices. And Bashi looked at him. and he goes, no, no, don't eat tube. It's glass.
1: <laughs> I understand yeah. that tubes taste really good with cream cheese.
7: <laughs> yeah,
1: pro- pro-
2: probably. Cream cheese makes everything better. Cream cheese and tubes. Peanut butter yeah. and tubes. Especially crunchy peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But he he jumped through all the hoops that people in the modern ghost hunting movement are told. Well, in order to prove there's something to this, you need to do this. You need to do it in threes and repeat it. He's done that. He's done all this stuff. To for me to argue on on the legitimacy of spirit contact through radio and not mention him is like going to court and leaving the smoking gun at home.
3: Well, just you know, it it always makes me wonder why people aren't doing more using this technique rather than. You know, the ghost box and, you know, some of some of these others, which to me seems to be rather clumsy compared to the way
2: that he was doing it. I love the questions that you've been asking me since we started. Let me just say that when I first found direct radio voice and I found Dr. Annabelle Cordosa's stuff, and again, she sat with Bachi, I thought the same thing. And I looked at my girlfriend and went, why is and how is it that nobody's doing this? There was no brevity to the messages. It was like like Tim was just saying. They were very clear. And I was like, well, unless there's a reason I can figure out that I'm not capable of doing this, I'm going to try to see if I can do what he's done, and I'm going to start down that path. The reason you don't see it really is twofold, in my opinion. One, um, it's more of a grind. It's more of a discipline. You have to sit through it. In the beginning, you don't get anything because it's just a white noise. It's not as convenient. It's not the instant gratification our society likes by turning on a box and hearing blips of words and maybe thinking you're getting something even before you do. Not to say the ghost boxes don't work, but on the European side of it, they think there's too much low-hanging fruit for the cynics, so they don't really propose that as a legitimate method of ITC. I don't agree with that. I've seen them work, but I understand the concern. The other reason you don't see it is because it's not on TV. In the United States, the paranormal movement that broke through from TV and everything became less taboo, less under the negative halo, was a byproduct of the exposure it got on TV. And on TV, you see the sweeping ghost boxes the spirit boxes that are born of the Frank's box that Frank Sumption made. I would almost argue that that offshoot, even though it does have success using ghost boxes, almost derailed where direct radio voice and ITC could have gone because of the method seems to yield far more impactful results doing direct radio than it does using a sweeping box. But I think the same way, because it's on TV if you remember when, I'm probably dating myself a little bit here, when videotape became more and more popular, and it wasn't just something a TV studio had, right? Betamax was superior to VHS, but it wasn't what, it wasn't what succeeded commercially. It wasn't what succeeded in the consumer marketplace, so that became the standard, even though it was not the, the superior product.
1: Now, there was, there was, as you've known, those who followed the evolution of consumer audio and video, There were specific reasons why VHS supplanted beta. And one of them is that the limitations placed on the beta format by Sony, the owner. Whereas they opened up a lot of options for VHS, the recording devices were cheaper. And then they had Super VHS, which provided a decent or adequate improvement in quality. So it was a lot of marketing, not technology, that gave VHS ascendancy which is why I got a VHS machine. There we go.
2: Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And that's essentially what I'm, what I'm getting at is, is spirit boxes or ghost boxes got all the marketing from the ghost hunting TV shows, which is where a lot of people who do paranormal stuff, and most, most of us who do this start as a, at a hobbyist level, right, it's not a salary involved. And that's where the first levels of education for all of us comes from, from what we've watched. And that's what they see. So that's what everybody does. Um, I was just looking for different things to learn and educate myself on, on on radio communication and stuff. I came across Dr. Annabelle Cardoza. I saw her books. I read them. And then I watched those documentaries and I was, I was astounded. How is nobody even trying to do this? And there are people, um, in the States who have dabbled in it. They have done it. But uh, to my knowledge, nobody's taken a deep dive into that, um, the way I have, um, in since since it was since bocce was doing it really nobody domestically did i know if there's one other guy who's doing exactly what i'm doing the way i'm doing it in arizona um, his name is tony rathman he's brilliant he's one of our co-hosts on a podcast we do on mondays called entity voices paranormal evidence
1: more to come with gene and ron and tim you're in
2: the podcast. Oh!
1: Use the coupon code...
7: In the 1800s, there were 160 spas set up in Europe to dispense fresh liquid whey. The sick would recover their health and the age would become rejuvenated. There's only one whey protein powder on the market that can generate and surpass the results seen in the whey spas in Europe. But first, let me tell you the story of 90-year-old Mary, who was semi-bedridden and in hospice care. Mary had been consuming only a pea protein and pasteurized milk drink. Then Mary was put on to Green Meadow Whey mixed with raw milk. She was given two to three whey drinks per day. On the very first day, Mary was up and came into the kitchen and made chicken soup. She was on her feet for many hours. Three days later, Mary had gained two and a half pounds of healthy weight. Green Meadow Way is health-giving to both young and old. Green Meadow Way is guaranteed to make you feel better, stronger, reduce your inflammation, and eliminate virtually all toxins from your body without feeling sick. To order, go to bestwayprotein.net. That's bestwayprotein.net, Or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325.
18: Did you know that you could easily be saving up to 90% on your taxes by simply making a phone call? That's right. The Fortune 500, the globalists, all the big billionaires and millionaires, they know about the loopholes written into the law where most of them pay almost zero tax. In fact, many of them pay no tax. You even see it on the news. How are they able to do that, but the common person can Com. That's GCNtaxcut.com. The only way you miss out is not making the phone call. Make it now.
16: Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm
10: the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: Now, before we started the show, I received a set of files, 10 audio files. We're not going to play all 10, but I'd like you to do, Ron... Is tell me of the 10 files you sent us, which one do you think is the one most compelling?
2: I'm going by memory of what I sent you, I would say the one that says 137. That was the one I talked about earlier, where I asked mm-hmm. them to give me the session number. That shows a clear intelligence because something's repeating me. If. Um, if somebody doubtful thinks that a radio station broadcasts those three numbers clearly when I ask for them, at the time that I ask for them, then they should find out what station it is and when they're giving away cash and prizes because that's phenomenal luck. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the file is
1: called Log137, yes. audio only. Can you tell me how long it takes so I can allow the time for it?
2: Uh, exactly. I don't remember. It's probably with the intro and outro a little because it has a title card from when it was on video. It's, it's under a minute. It's got to be a minute or less easily. Okay.
1: Okay. So we're going to hear that right now, and then we'll continue our discussion with Ron Yakovetti.
7: If you can,
2: if you can hear us, can you say log one, three, seven? Would you be kind to repeat
3: the log number one, three, seven, please? Like that we know you're listening to us, that you can hear us.
2: <laughs>
14: yes! They said it!
2: One, three, seven. In <laughs> a row. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes.
3: Thank you.
2: That was very clear.
1: Well, there you go, folks. Make your own decision about the one, two, three recording. Do you think it's something compelling? Do you think it's not so compelling? Of course, we have our forums at com or com slash forum. And you can post your messages and even sign up, by the way, for the PowerCast Plus because Ron's going to hang with us for our premium show. So there you go. There's a recording. And then, of course, we have those three shows we did with David Roundtree and Michael Esposito on the Paracast, and you can listen to those. But as I said before, and that's separate from any of the research that Ron has done, as I said before, they didn't impress me that much. I thought you really had to listen into them to perceive a voice kind of like the face on Mars. The face yeah. on Mars, you have to kind of look at it and say, yeah, maybe it kinda of, sort of looks like a face, could be a face, but then you think if some civilization on the planet mars visiting or native whatever it is wanted to create this monument they'd have some sense of perspective and would do something that is more shall we say correct in terms of positioning and design these are poorly designed you know very eccentric unless the person who did it or the space person who did maybe had too much of the extraterrestrial vodka <laughs>
2: Or it could be it could be erosion. Maybe it was more precise at the time they they did it. Who knows? It is is an an interesting thing to bring up as far as, you know, debating interpretation of something being inexplicable or anomalous for sure. Have you at all? I know you've
1: covered a lot of the paranormal, despite just specializing with voices. Have you ever looked into mysteries of Mars?
2: I actually have a little bit. Yeah, I read some of Graham Hancock's stuff before um before he passed away, John Anthony West, the independent Egyptologist who's dating of the water erosion on the Sphinx differentiated from the sand, windswept erosion on the pyramids. I, I had had uh, lunch a couple of times and spoken to John West, um both at his home in, in Athens or near Athens, New York, and then when I lived in LA he came out and and visited me one time too. Um so I have been interested in a lot of those a lot of those things, because there are things, characteristically with those, that do defy a, a modern or a materialist world explanation. And that does, at least to me, beg the question to whether or not, just because we can't explain it, you not to dismiss it. Because that, that's the, the cynic skeptic thing to do, is to say it doesn't fit into the paradigm so therefore, if you can't prove it, it doesn't exist or it's not real or it's a mistake or whatever. But that's not scientists. That's not science. That's scientism. That's a there's this big difference between scientism and science. And that is certainly one of the ways that you can differentiate it.
1: Well, certainly, if you have something that can't be explained, it would be basically logical to say, hey, what is that?
2: Right. Right. Absolutely.
1: Not suggesting, of course, any particular mystery. Now, there are also theories that, based on what has been measured on Mars, that a nuclear weapon, one or more nuclear weapons, may have been set off thousands or hundreds of thousands of years ago. You heard about those?
2: Yeah, they actually have evidence of that that they think might be also, right? The, the, the Libyan desert, the, the, the green glass that is from a, a super high hot temperature of, of fusion, uh, vitrification of stone, which are now in a lot of the European countries um, Castles or structures, some people were theorizing that it was done to embolden the structure. But when you vitrify the stone, you, in fact, weaken the structural integrity of it. Um, so, yeah, I know, I know that they said there's something to do with that with Mars. And then, again, in, in, uh, in the, the Pacific Southwest of the States, in Libya, there is this, this fused green sheet of glass uh, that they had found in different areas, which is only forged from a super hot temperature, I guess, descending on the, on the sand.
1: Would that super hot phenomenon have to be nuclear, though?
2: I don't know if it would have to be. Um, I I like to educate myself on a lot of these different things, physics, quantum physics, consciousness, as much as I can. I'm not a scientist. But some of the stuff that I had read about that suggested that that type of um, extremism from from a a nuclear reaction um, would be the way to do it. Um, I don't know that there isn't another way, but from what I had read, if I remember correctly, that was the way that they were able to say that that, that the only way that would happen would be from that.
1: You'd have to think, though, of the half-life of the radiation right. that would follow or be part of this explosion. And how long would that be? Would it be 1,000 years? Would it be 10,000 years? How long ago could this happen to reach a point where if you, you sat there with a the Geiger counter, you wouldn't really see anything that... Change as much from the average level of radiation in the area.
2: That's true. Yeah, th- th- there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation with that. Same thing happens with carbon fourteen and carbon seventeen when they when they're trying to date things too. Yeah, I mean it, it probably breeds more questions than it answers, but it is fascinating that that is one way theoretically that that glass could or would exist.
3: Well, concerning Mars. They detected, you know, NASA detected, radioactive uh, isotope on Mars that is only produced through the use of uh, nuclear devices. The Earth is full of this isotope now because of all the uh, open-air nuclear tests, especially back in the 50s. But as far as we know, you know, nobody lobbed, at least in recent history, a nuclear device uh, onto
2: Mars. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Uh, that to me speaks to the fact that there's a certain level of all these things that we may not have a complete understanding of and it's it's good to theorize, but the debunking without the ability to stand behind it or to substantiate it is where I kinda get a little bit more put off by it too, you know, because I mean at one point in history, as as my co host Tony Rathman will always say, that they thought that solar eclipses were supernatural. Until they found out that they weren't. So I think it's fair to assume that we don't understand everything and not everything is going to be measurable, quantifiable by what we know as laws of physics, because even those things change. Quantum tunneling changes the equation on a lot of that stuff. You know, modern physics or or the accepted worldview would, would say that getting voices in a zinc mine below the surface of the earth on a radio would be impossible. It should not be happening.
1: The question I would what have, of course, this? which is obviously we have legends of some kind of global catastrophe long, long ago, mm-hmm. Noah's Ark, whatever. The yep. story I remember, Lemuria from Ray Palmer and Richard Shaver, a catastrophe where an advanced civilization was destroyed. That's possible. There could be mm-hmm. some circumstance where the civilization destroyed itself, or there was some yep. kind of global catastrophe. Whatever it is, what would be left of an advanced civilization thousands of years later Well, if that happened to us i'm not projecting this any day soon because we certainly hope there won't be but what would happen if our civilization was destroyed and we came back or someone came back years later how much would be left more left with ron gene and tim you're in the paracost
8: thank you for listening to gcn
0: Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's rockoid dot Have
19: you heard the warning from the dead Doctors Don't Lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart... If you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipes. You want it free? Call him toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg.
1: The question of the ages, if we're gone, how long will remnants of our existence be here before someone lands from another planet, they come to Earth, will they see the evidence of a once advanced flawed civilization right
2: yeah no, you, you. that's a brilliant point that you brought up because that was one of the theories of, of atlantis and lemuria is if the more advanced and digitized and electronic a society becomes the easier it is to eradicate it to wipe out any trace of it and then a lot of times too even when you look back at stuff too without having full context it's difficult to know like if, if you look at the history of of just like the pyramids the first three dynasties of pyramids were supposedly the learning curve. Then they got to the fourth dynasty with the great pyramid of Giza and, and all of a sudden, boom, they got it perfected. But then the fifth dynasty pyramids, which are newer in comparison, are in ruin, uh, which you don't see on, on the fourth dynasty. So how did they forget how to do it all of a sudden? Where's the evolutionary process that you see with a Ford Mustang, that you don't see in a pyramid. So a lot of times, we're we're speculating with what we have, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's always good I guess to leave one chapter unwritten for what we may not know until tomorrow or, or the next lifetime. May take the research that folks like us do, and they may figure out more. And they may you know what he was he was off, but this was a step in the right direction with this piece or whatever. Or maybe it was all wrong, but it realizing it was wrong, it ruled out something else, and then another vertical of exploration can come out of it.
3: I wanted to bring up uh, uh, something that uh, Gene was mentioning a couple of breaks ago about uh, the recorded voices, and and I do know that there have been more modern examinations of some of these recordings, and and I'm not familiar with you know but, uh, the uh, the types of equipment that are used to analyze these voices, but I know with a lot of them they've found that that yes. There are words. They you know, can tell the difference between just you know noise and, and actual words, but that the words are not originating from uh, a human larynx. But they can't discern just exactly how the words are being produced.
2: hundred percent. That is correct. Some people think that this is again. That's what it speaks to for some um, consciousness. Um, A lot of people who record anomalous voices will have an instance that they can tell you that they started asking a question, and before they finish the question, the the device spits out the answer. So if it's the mechanical sound wave that only propagates so far and whoever's talking to you is not visible within your physical space, like in your own enclosed living room, then you have to look at the properties of sound, everything from the Doppler effect or, or refraction, and realize that that's not governing factor in how this is happening like you mentioned earlier receiver not transceiver and if it's not something that has a physical presence as we know it to create a vibratory tone with a larynx then that speaks to what people think spirit is a higher vibrational entity or being and the same way radio works right for me to hear my favorite fm channel i have to use something that transduces it down This also speaks to the voice quality and tonality that people go, well, it's not super clear. Well, it's not Verizon. It's not line of sight towers. (laughs) If something is transducing this thing down, you're going to have degradation of sound when you do that. The same way if you blow a picture up to a higher DPI that it's not meant to be at, you're going to have a level of distortion because you're pushing it outside.
3: I think one of the other interesting things is that with um, some of these investigations, Especially uh, like the ITC ones that took place in uh, in Europe in the nineteen uh, nineties, there was indication that whatever the source of the voices, the voices indicated that they were doing research as well to yes. attempt to contact us. And uh, I mean, there was actually they actually had like group names and, and like laboratory names from that side.
2: Yes. I, I love the, the, the things that you guys have said and the questions you've asked. Is, this has been so enjoyable for me because that's not a typical question or statement that I've heard on, on a lot of shows, if ever. Um, it is a different mentality in in the States. Again, guess what? Remember I said the the methodology of the sweeping box being prominent because of media and television. The other thing that media and television do is they propagate the idea of good and evil. And, and right. the more popular a show gets or the more episodes it has, everything starts becoming demonic and dark all of a sudden.
1: That's because so, you have to have opposition. The protagonist of the show has yes. to confront a problem and solve yes. the problem in 42 and a half minutes plus commercials.
2: Yes, absolutely well put, yes. In Europe, in that era... Tim speaking of, they have and this is something I've had conversations with Dr. Annabelle Cardoso with uh, over from Spain is that they have what they call stations or ports of call for communication um, Rio do tempo time stream there's a few of them that are different names. um I'll tell you a funny story my girlfriend and I were doing one time that she's Latina she's from Puerto Rico and she said one time, are we talking with Rio de tempo because day de, de is is more common in her vernacular, in her day-to-day speech, is she speaks Spanish. And the voice came back and said, do tempo, and corrected her. But that is a different mindset, that it is communication from a different realm of existence or dimension or whatever it is, where there's a level of tech and there's a governance to it. They're not allowed to tell us certain things. They're not allowed to speak at length for certain things. The thing I mentioned earlier in the show about the, the female from the group Transcend out of Virginia who asked about a, a, a God-related question after the answer we got, the radio felt kind of quiet. The noise floor kind of bottomed out. And one of the people in the group said, did the individual who answered that for us get in trouble? And a the voice said yes, hmm. which, which was fascinating because that falls into that European mindset. And when you think of it and approach it that way, then that, you know, people will ask me, aren't you uncomfortable doing it in your home? I'm not renting a studio space somewhere for a couple hundred dollars a month so I can talk to myself in front of white noise. It's like, and expensive.
1: Well, maybe you want the landlord to get rich. <laughs> yes. Hey, I got this crazy guy over here. Listen, let me tell you the story. Got this crazy guy who thinks he can hear voices from the afterlife. So I rented him this facility. And I'm making $1,200 a month, I'm guessing. Uh, $1,200 a month from this guy. Normally, I'd rent it for 900 But because yeah. this guy's a wacko, figure I can get another three. I know that didn't happen, yeah. but look.
2: No, but as long as she doesn't charge me per head, because if there's more spirits in here, my rent's going to go up.
1: Uh-oh. We don't want the exactly. debt. How is your studio yeah. equipped, by the way?
2: Because of the way we do the method, We usually sit down in the dining room area. It's just the two of us here. Um, We have a a long, narrow-ish, like more of a rectangular long table. And we've done experiments with different types of ways of doing... And if you saw the stuff from Europe, which you seem familiar with, which is freaking awesome, we've done different versions of that. One of the things I tried to study was also how sound works. So we have taken a long wave channel, like in the 200 kilohertz range, which is completely vacant. Nobody uses it for anything. It used to be, I think, emergency services below that VLF. They used, I think, for submarines because of the size of the waves. Um, And then I would put that into a mixing board. I would run that into the mixing board. I would also put a separate channel in that was playing, let's say, like 200 hertz, like a tone, just a tone. And then I would take an upper... Frequency. I would take something from like the 900 gigahertz range, like maybe on a UAF white noise sound file, and I would play that from a device into the mixing board, and I would blend two frequencies, which in, in audio is called something called heterodyning. I'm taking two unique frequencies, and I'm creating one unique one that's the sum and difference of those two, just to see if the, if the different levels of the white noise, if the different ranges that they come within, the sizes of the waves, has anything to do with the efficacy of the method and how much more we would get maybe vocally. The method uses AM because of the obvious reasons for when you listen to radio, FM is, is better sound fidelity. The tighter wave, so you have less uh, probability or it's less prone to interference. The size of the waves at AM are more prone to interference, and if you're talking about communication. The problem with
1: FM, of course, is that the distance in which a signal yes. is transmitted is less, but now we have satellite radio, so I don't know. Ron Yacobetti talking about sounds from the world beyond, somewhere, the great world beyond. I'm Gene Steinberg. My sounds come from somewhere I haven't figured out yet. Tim Swartz, we know where his sounds come from. You're in the podcast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com. namecheap.com.
0: Are
16: you watching your retirement savings melt away right in front of your eyes as the economy crumbles? Well, if you have an IRA, 401k, or similar account, I need to tell you about a better way that was revealed by a Wall Street Journal best-selling book. Simply put, you can opt out of the insanity and convert your existing retirement account into the most stable physical asset in history. Physical gold and silver. Plus, this conversion might qualify you for an IRS loophole that could save you even more. Today, Advantage Gold is giving away a completely free audiobook version of the national bestseller. Gold is a better way. Just text the word better to 48542 to get your copy. That's B E T T E R to 48542. By the time you drive home, this simple step may save the future value of your retirement. It's not too late if you're not prepared. You can take action now and claim a free copy. Text the word better to 48542. That's B-E-T-T-E-R to 48542. Message and data rates may apply. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor.
3: This is Jacques Vallee, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: His sounds come from his voice box. But he has nine and a half voice boxes. Tim voice. (laughs) Ron, I'm sorry to make light of it, but this is something we're all trying to understand. We're all trying to figure out. And maybe we'll be able to solve it. But that's a good question, too. We've got the recordings, and our listeners heard one earlier on the show. We've got these recordings. We've got people like you doing the work. Is there a scientist out there who would say, okay, let me help you figure out what's going on?
2: yeah there are actually there's several sciences out there that's that's one of the things that I talk about when I lecture is that that's another thing earlier I talked about terminology and and the way we label things so I have it like a pet peeve when people say one day science will acknowledge or one day science will debunk and explain away or one day science is not one guy it's not one female. Science is a community within which there are different people with different biases opinions theories right. You don't go to school and think sex ed is one guy getting all the action. So Mm -hmm. science, you can't say it that way and generalize it. There are scientists who do do that. Um, The guy who came up with the term, ITC, Ernst Sinkowski, was a physicist. Um, Konstantin Radeve, PhD, there are uh, electrical engineers. I've had um, uh, Alexander McRae worked on sound systems for the space program in Europe as well as The Underground Subway. He worked on audio systems. He's, a, he's brilliant. He's in one of those documentaries, too. I think he's in, he's in Calling Earth, which is on Vimeo and YouTube. I've had email conversations back and forth uh, with Mr. McRae, with a, a gentleman who's an award-winning sound engineer and producer out of Hollywood. Um, somebody sent him some of the direct radio voices um, that myself and my co-host Tony Rathman from our show, um, once I got him doing the same method, and he listened to them, and he said, how the are you getting those? Um, he was enamored with how it was being done, and and, and some of them, the length of the of the conversations that we, we would be able to have through the radio that way. So there are people who have degrees, but again, the thing that is so important that I mentioned earlier is that if somebody has a vested position, if somebody has a a, a bias, they will govern everything that they do from that point of view above reason above logic above uh, an aggregation of data no matter how compelling or irrefutable it is bias will take the driver's seat if you let it uh, and we all have a level of that it's it's trying to be uh, cognizant of it and not let it govern your your choices and letting an honest assessment of what you're listening to or looking at speak for itself
3: well i think uh, i mean it's it's easy for you know debunkers to look at audio files and say, oh well, you know those, you know you can get those anywhere. There's there's always uh, you know superfluous uh, radio signals uh, uh, being transmitted that you, know, you can pick up. Uh-huh. But as as the ITC people uh, pointed out, I mean they were doing research not only with uh, uh, uh receiving radio signals but they were actually taking video cameras yes. and pointing them at television screens that uh, weren't uh, set up to receive any signals they weren't set on no antennas or anything like that and we're, uh, were picking up uh, video images as well as yes out um, of the
2: driver Klaus Schreiber, it's called the Schreiber method. Um, it's a video feedback loop. Essentially the camera output is going into the monitor that it's focused on and filming. I've done some experimentation with that. I got a couple of really creepy things that had no business being there. Um, doing it is an area I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into. And the other thing with the with the doubting Thomas folks who, you know, with the stray radio and all that stuff you use timing and relevance as your governance for whether or not you think something's anomalous, that takes a lot off the table. It's not easy for them to say these things are happening some other way. It's lazy for them to do that. Uh, when, the, when you make the claim, it's paranormal, you're expected to prove it. When they make the claim that it's not, they have to also prove it. The onus is on the person making the claim. Those are claims. Like I said earlier, it is, it isn't. And I don't know, we're the only three possible positions on an issue. So if your thing is that it's not, that comes with the same burden of proof, and if you fail to meet it, it is not Little League Baseball. The other team does not win by default. It remains unknown is what happens. Um, but those video feedback loop things are, 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 are incredible. The, the audio evidence, which is interesting, you can go to a country that does not speak the language that you know and do direct radio voice on an empty white noise channel and not only – timing irrelevance of getting an intelligent response but you get the responses in the language that you understand that has been documented several times by several different people about the, the, the history of the type of research there's no broadcast in that country in the language that you know but the voices will come through we think that is part of where our consciousness possibly through the pineal gland which itself emits an electromagnetic field that we may be processing this stuff and that we are part of again morphic resonance we're part of the equation as operators we are also part of the tech
1: you know you're also implying a sense here that maybe in some cases we
2: are generating our own sounds that uh, you guys are so cool um that is one of the things that is theorized. Here's where that one runs into a little bit of a brick wall. And this was asked of one of the pioneers of IEVP and ITC, Friedrich Jürgensen. Um, was, was this telepathy? Were we coming through? First of all, there is no data to suggest that we can think and project on a level telepathically that would be received on a shortwave radio receiver based on how the device works for one. For two Uh, He said, uh, to paraphrase on an interview, if I could do that, I would be the most powerful person on the planet because I would be able to speak in languages I don't know, with dialects and jargon and specific vernacular, knowing proprietary information about different people and having educational information that i have never studied before, all at the blink of an eye with how fast some of these things come in in real time. It is not – there's no data to suggest – And it's a big thing in parapsychology that we're coming through or we're emitting what we're getting. But when you run into some of those blockades, it is not a blanket statement to explain all of it. I think on a consciousness level, there may be instances when that could be a factor. But it really does take a deeper look before you can kind of rest or hang your hat on that because there's, there's a lot of variables involved. Regards to just the details of the information, the, the vocal tonality, the the knowledge of what it knows, um, senses of humor, dialects—it's it's, you know, we don't have all that information in our heads.
3: Well, there's also the possibility that some of these people who are, um, are who are doing this and are pretty prolific at it, like like uh, 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 uh may have mediumistic abilities and are you know helping helping move things along while you know uh, if if somebody else possibly had uh, sat down at the radio receiver uh rather than him they may not have achieved the same kind of results absolutely with gene and tim you're in
14: the podcast
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
7: Do you experience fatigue when you know you should have energy? One reason fatigue can occur is due to a lack of antioxidants in the body. This deficiency happens the older we get, or due to eating an unhealthy diet, or even due to exercise. Your body's number one antioxidant is glutathione. When your cells are depleted of glutathione, you will be fatigued, inflamed, possibly depressed, and may also feel pain. Empirical results indicate that consuming green metal whey protein powder is the most effective means of increasing glutathione production. Green metal whey supplies nature's richest source of the precursor to making glutathione within the trillions of cells of your body. This protein strongly supports the cell's ability to make glutathione. Add to this, the green metal whey also supports immunity, energy, lean muscle development, fat loss, and has anti-cancer properties, and you have nature's most complete and strongest superfood. To order, go to bestwayprotein.net, that's bestwayprotein.net, or call 888-988-3325, that's 888-988-3325.
10: USA Radio News.
17: Vice President Kamala Harris is speaking on the Mar-a-Lago investigation.
10: What do you say to the argument that it would be too divisive for the country to prosecute a former president?
14: There has been a call for justice, and justice has been served.
17: That was during an interview with Meet the Press. This comes as the Department of Justice and Donald Trump have each submitted two candidates to serve as a special master to review documents seized from the former president's Mar a Lago home last month. Two sheriff's deputies were killed while serving a warrant.
16: Two suspects are in custody after two Atlanta area sheriff deputies were killed in the line of duty Thursday evening while serving a warrant. Cobb County Sheriff Craig Owens.
5: What words can you say when you lose your family? member and those words don't come easy
20: from the west coast usa radio news bureau i'm lance pry americans have the most colorful language in the world and that vibrant language is our basis for thinking in big ways new ways efficient ways and better ways americans have freedom of speech the pairing of our colorful language and freedom of speech has made us the people and the nation that we are today Imagine what it would be like not having the freedom to speak our minds, communicate our thoughts and ideas, and hear those from others. Americans have a passion for and yearn for the truth. There are those who want to destroy our freedom and right to hear the truth. The truth is under attack. GCN is under attack. I'm asking our fellow broadcasters and you to rise up and help us defend our right to free speech. Would you like to join us? Please consider visiting savegcn.com. Please help us bring you the truth 24 hours per day. I'm
6: Vincent Finelli. Extendivite really works. Here's just a few testimonials from Amazon RL, five stars. Been taking this for two months now. I feel better, have more energy. April, my husband started taking Extendivite and he said he feels much better and has more energy. E.W. Need to try. Everyone needs this for their health. Great product, great people. Josie. It works great. This product has made my blood pressure and cholesterol stable. I highly recommend it. J.C. Great product. Has worked well these last few years. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com, that's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com, or call us at one 928 Extend your life with
7: Extend.
0: This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: We're back. A couple more segments to spend with Ron Yakavetti, and then he'll join us for our premium show after the Paracast, which is offered only to subscribers of the Paracast Plus. Check the Paracast plus for more info. And now we're just continuing to cover a wide subject here, which is to figure out what these voices are. Does the presence or lack of presence of vacuum tubes make a difference, Ron?
2: I don't. I mean, with Bocce, it didn't. <laughs> they did. They did that to just to, to try to, you know, just rip apart the process and figure out you know how he was doing it. They, they checked. He was never caught. I don't care what post somebody writes on the Internet now retrospectively who wasn't there. Um, again, I talked to Dr. Annabelle Cordoso, She was there with him more than once. They never caught him taking a dime. They never caught him hoaxing or tricking anything. They shielded him from signal. They took his tubes out. They unplugged his radio. Um, there was no explanation. He had apports, which is when things of material consistency will just pop into existence um, that would happen around him. Like rose petals would fall behind him in the, in the studio where he did his sessions obviously, if there was somebody behind him doing that, you would see it. Um, nobody did. One of the things I like, and this is why I like the methodology, is because obviously vacuum tubes is how radios work pre-transistor, right? Um, but they, uh, they were so at the core of it. And I think one of the things that ITC nowadays, and I'm doing it to a degree myself, um, but a lot of the ghost hunting or ITC people of today, I think, look at technology so much As what's going to move things forward and i think that they're not wrong but if it gets too tech heavy i think you lose that element of it which is the the connection the co-resonance between the the operator and the intent of the operator or the group that's doing the session and then the the, the, again the collective consciousness morphic resonance i think those things are factors i think with him that's where you really see it and he's that's his low tech Audio-wise, almost as you get, he's using an old vacuum tube radio, and it's, it's yielded the most impressive real-time ITC results I've ever seen. That's what grabbed my attention with that method, was this is an old method, this is an old tech, this is a very basic pared-down thing he's doing, and all these TV shows and all these boxes, and I've never seen anything that that stuff has yielded compared to what he did, and that's what got my attention.
3: Well, and there's also, uh, with a lot of these cases, voices have actually given instructions on how to uh, improve the reception. Uh, yes. Frequencies to go to, even uh, circuit construction.
2: Yes, absolutely. The harsh fishbacks in Luxembourg had a, a device called, I think it was a GA4. It was one of the things they used. It used uh, ultraviolet. It used crystal. It used a... Uh, um, and what is it called? It was a, a frequency adapter where it would, it would take where, where you could bump up like a, a lower frequency to a higher range, um, frequency translator. Um, Mark Macy, who out of Boulder, Colorado, who did both spirit photography and video stuff as well as a lot of the direct radio voice stuff like what I do. He also contributed to my first book where I had the uh, ITC people give some advice, some of the best people out there today. Um, he was one of them and he had a, a, a phone call, which, by the way, some of the best ITC stuff, not only Bocce's vacuum tube, the hard fishbacks in Lux- Luxembourg, they had um, unnetworked computers, fax machines. There's a book by uh, Rogo and Bales called Phone Calls from the Dead, um, where landlines that were monitored for in- and outbound calls received phone calls where nothing showed up on the record as having come in. The manipulation or, or utilization of, of electronics or things that can conduct uh, sound is phenomenal. Mark Macy got a phone call. From one of the pioneers I mentioned earlier, Constantine uh, Radovay. Why is that important? Radovay was dead for at least 20, 25 years when that call came in. It's exactly his voice. He matched it in the software. There were a handful of people in the history of ITC um, in different parts of the world who have gotten uh, messages in Radovay's voice from him. And he did give him technical advice to use VLF to down convert or to bump up, rather, from, from VLF, which is what they use for emergencies and submarines um, back in the day because of the waves were so big it would propagate through the water. And he told him to get a VLF converter and to bump that up into a shortwave band where he could be, he'd be able to listen to it because that was a better frequency range to use. When I started, I started with a long wave because that's the first thing north of VLF. To get close as I could because I was not able to find a... a a VLF transmitter or, or adapted, very hard to find even to this day. But yes, that was that was technical advice from the other side.
3: And I think that uh, that re- uh, recording is available uh, online if you look for
2: it. Probably, Mark probably has it on the site, MacyAfterlife.com. I think he probably has it there. He has a lot of information and 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 knowledge and wisdom on his on his website too. And that's another person whose whose results in the field just completely speak for themselves. Just you know, this is not a field for the lazy, and I think that a lot of times that's where I find on on the cynical side is they think by casting doubt and flying under the flag of material science that they can just say, "Well, I don't believe it, so it's not true, it's not possible." And but there's people doing the work, and if you want to be in the discussion, you got to step up to the table that they're stepping up to, and they're doing some amazing work. and He's one of them.
3: I think one of my uh, my favorite stories, and this isn't. A- from, from you, Ron, but, uh, this, this was an EVP from a woman who, a series of EVPs from a woman who contacted me, and this has been a number of years ago, who had gotten a new coffee maker. And she was getting voices from the sound of this coffee maker as it would make coffee you know i mean you know how they'll hiss and burble and and make make weird noises and her and her husband after they started you know using this they were hearing voices in the kitchen they were trying to figure out you know where these voices were coming from and it turned out they were coming from this coffee maker and she actually made a number of recordings that uh, are just kind of eerie
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the basis of where, where radio's voice started, was using white noise. There are people who do EVP now. They use running water. They use like a, like a fan, something that creates just enough of a disturbance in the air to give whatever's out there the same principle of stochastic resonance, to give it something to, to resonate with, to give a greater signal-to-noise ratio and make it detectable, whether by the ear or by a device. So that is true. There was something, I forget the gentleman's name in Europe, he called it a talking carpet sweeper, because it was a... um. What do they call it when you have a bad a bad well, the dry joint? You get a dry yes. joint on an electric carpet sweeper, and he was getting, he might have been getting radio broadcasts to be honest. I don't know if he was getting anomalous voices, but it was working as a receiver. By the way, I guess the, the way this thing unfolded for him, and he called it a talking carpet sweeper, which I thought was fascinating. But that <laughs> that story with the coffee maker is that's what happens. It's 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 an audio support based on using some form of a white noise.
3: Yeah, the 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 voices that she was recorded. I mean, it, it they they clearly they weren't like radio. Went there, you could actually pick up uh, a radio broadcast. It was it was the weirdest things, but it only happened uh, at a uh, the city cemetery. This one location of the cemetery. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the reasons I like doing direct radio voice too, is because you're not using. You're not sweeping through bands of radio that already have broadcast, so you rule that out. And that goes to the other thing I said earlier, which is the timing and relevance. Even if you're picking up stray radio through something, if the device, if the if the deck or the device that you were by at that time said your first and last name, and it's, it's, so let's say it's a, you had gray pants on it, and it said your full name in gray pants, if that whole sentence came out, the odds of that being... A radio transmission are astronomical, with the timing irrelevance that that has. So that's what you look at when you want to determine if something might be paranormal or if it might just be, you know, environmental. Because it's there's no way that something that specific, if it's discernible and actually clearly saying that, comes through hey. uh, you know, by happenstance.
1: We're going to break, and then we'll be back with another segment. With Ron Yacavetti, we're talking about strange voices without a discernible source. Where could they come from? Are they playing back something someone once said? What if they interact with people? Weird, weird, weird. With Jean and Ron and Tim, you're in.
3: The very guest. <laughs>
8: Listening to GCN. Visit GCN today.
1: Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. Once again, the Prices are just 50 a week less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus.
17: Hey trader, listen up. The markets have changed. Have you changed your trading strategies? Vantage Point can help you conquer volatility. Learn to trade with artificial intelligence. Text the word money to eight one three eight one three and discover how to predict stock market trends one to three days in advance with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. No matter which way the market moves, Vantage Point's patented AI can give you a massive edge. Text money to 813-813 to get what you need to stay ahead of markets and find your best entries and exits. Text the word money to 813-813.
16: Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com slash terms and consent to receive calls and texts using automated technology about offers or info by or on behalf of Vantage Point. Your consent is not a condition to purchase and can be revoked at any time.
11: Message and data rates may apply.
17: Text money to 813-813.
8: This is Tracy
3: Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We're back
1: with Ron Yakovetti talking about voices from beyond, from space and time. Where could they come from? And we heard a sample earlier in the show that we invite your comments in the Paracast forums about. Co-host, of course, is Tim Swartz. Tim, you want to pick up on the conversation with Ron?
3: Well, one of the things that uh, you see quite a bit when it comes to, I guess, maybe newer innovations of the uh, spirit boxes is the uh, the apps that are widely available on both Android and uh, Apple uh, Play stores. And I mean, you know, what uh, what do you think about uh, those, Ron? I mean, there there's quite a few out out there now.
2: That is that is probably the only issue. In the paranormal field that can rival in the controversial status orbs, the little Mm. balls of light that are dust, bugs, spirits, whatever. So I think they can work. I have seen instances when, again, with timing and relevance, it was very hard to dismiss. Um, Also, if you go with the possibility, again, when you talk about fax machines on network computers, um, empty white noise radios being able to yield um, clear and timed, relevant results that anything electronic can be manipulated. They can come through it um, or or do something to it to come through. The problem with those things is the academic world or the world of academia doesn't acknowledge even the sweeping radios because they say, um, first of all, they think it's distracting on, on an audible and focused and consciousness level. Imagine, if you will, those uh, those booths you go in, and they have cash flying around everywhere. There's a fan overhead blowing cash around. So imagine if there was all $1 bills and a $5 million check. Trying to get that $5 million check would be so difficult because your attention is being pulled by every little thin piece of paper that looks like that. They think uh, on an audible level, on a sensory level, that's what the ghost boxes do. They think it's very distracting. They also think that it removes free will. Because you have to have certain sounds or phonetics in place at a certain time to form certain words in a certain order. And if you don't have free will, then you don't have intelligence or spirit that you're trying to contact with. Um, Again, I think all these electronic things, even the apps, can work. But those lend themselves to a higher level of skepticism. Um, People don't trust the apps because there's a programming thing to it that they don't know or they don't understand or they don't have access to. They're not privy to the guts. So they'll, they'll be suspicious of it. A lot of those apps, and even including a, a very commonly seen um, considered ITC device in the field called an Ovelus and it's Ovilus, O-V-I-L-U-S. People say Ovilus. I don't know why. It's easy to be hooked on phonics, I think. It's Ovilus. And uh, it gives you words. It's supposed to be environmentally influenced. so spirits can use it to give you words. He did his session one time when it was my girlfriend and I and our friend Anthony, he was on a uh, video ch- conference. We sat here and did the radio, and her daughter had sent cupcakes to us, like these fancy cupcakes as, as a gift. And the obelisk said, Anthony, then it said Ron, and then it said cupcake. That's mind-blowing from a timing and standpoint. That I would have a hard time dismissing. The problem with the devices, besides when they have word banks, um, like a lot of the apps do, or even if they're supposed to be sweeping, is... The, the lack of control and understanding for, for how it works, if it's programmed in any way, and when you get evidence that way, more people will doubt it and will not accept it, even if they can't disprove it, because there's a lot of room for misinterpretation, for misuse, for creating a narrative around something. It gives you – there's a difference between evidence and results, right? The device gives you results. The results are supposed to give you words, and it does. It does. Evidence speaks to context as what? Being paranormal. So there's a difference between those two things. And I think uh, those two things, just like life after death and afterlife, I mentioned earlier, they get intertwined and interchanged a little bit too freely. You can get evidence on those things, but I think a lot of what you get is results, not evidence. You got to be really uh, responsible and use discernment to draw the line between those two things. Some of these other
3: devices that I've seen, and uh, there, there's a couple that are, you know, featured uh, quite a bit. Uh, say, like YouTube, has uh, uh, lots of uh, bright lights that respond to the voices being received, and also they they have like a very heavy uh, reverb type of quality that I don't know if that is deliberately programmed in or what. But to me, it's how it's it's really distracting.
2: Are you familiar with those? there was a there's a gentleman on name any people um he's very controversial some people follow him like a messiah some people hate him like a like a, a pariah he he put forth a, what they call a portal box which uses a like a guitar amp and guitar pedals for noise gates and reverb and stuff like that um it does through the the extension of the sound the echoing a little bit it does in a lot of cases give a little more clarity to the words when they come through um it can help produce a cleaner sound in some instances some of them because of their settings involved can can overdo it a little bit if you have too much echo too much reverb too much uh noise control dialed down you can end up damaging or or distorting what might be coming through but those were add-ons that were meant to try to create again what ITC is supposed to be which is real-time dialogue and being able to understand stuff in the moment but that's what it's supposed to do and uh, again it would be confusing people would say well you know how does this portal device connect to spirits and stuff Well, it doesn't the radio does it there are devices you can find out in the market um, some of them are rare that cost two three thousand dollars and it's this beautiful fashioned ornate piece of wood and brass and it's just it's beautiful looking but the radio is the facilitator of the contact And the radio is a $25, at best, Jensen or Koss radio. But the device is $2,000. Yeah, so you're spending, check your paranormal budget, um, check your paranormal accountant. You're spending less than 5% maybe uh, on functionality and 95% on vanity. It's a talking piece of furniture.
1: I got a really nice radio for my wife for $25 from Amazon. Sounds really good. Maybe I can put it into some kind of fancy ebony wood thingy, especially yeah. the thingy and sell it for $26,000.
2: You'd be surprised. Is it. Somebody might buy it.
1: I might be in the wrong business. Hey, we're just about out of time <laughs> for the main show. But Ron Yakavetti, I know you have a lot of things you want to promote. So take a minute or so right now to promote those lots of things.
17: I
2: appreciate it. I appreciate you guys giving me the time and, and let me share conversation with both of you who are very, very good at what you do. Um, I have coming up October 7th at the UFO and Paranormal Museum in Pine Bush. We're doing a, what's called, again, the Digital Seance Initiative. It's a whole night. They're going to have, like, Magic Lantern, Phasmagoria stuff. And we're going to do our Digital Seance, which is a direct radio voice sitting combined with the focus and whole Victorian feel of the seance kind of make it fun for Halloween We're going to be at the Massachusetts Paracon doing direct radio voice and digital seance at the beginning of November, the Mass Paracon. Um, The Lordis and I are also part of a a series called Haunted Hotels, Dead Inns. Both been at the Farnsworth in Gettysburg and the Shanley Hotel in Napanock, New York. I think the next episode in October rolls out is uh, again a return to the Farnsworth in, in Gettysburg. And Monday night's 9 o'clock Eastern Time um, through YouTube and, and Facebook using StreamYard. It's called uh, Entity Voices Paranormal Evidence. It's on the UNX, UN X, UNX Media Network. We showcase investigators and people who do paranormal research from around the country or the globe. Um, they share their evidence to talk about it. And we like to do that so we can put the spotlight on everybody, not just on ourselves. And then I have two books on Amazon Paranormally Speaking and ITC Technomancy. They're on Amazon.
1: Hey, you can find us on Twitter if you look for The Paracast. Look for The Paracast on Facebook, two segments. You can also get branded merchandise with Paracast logos at theparacast.shop, theparacast.shop. Don't forget The Paracast Plus, a streaming service where we offer this show free of a network ads, plus the After The Paracast podcast with more discussions like we'll feature Ron. Back with more things to talk about, lots more things. If you want to know more, go to theparacast.plus. We have a special deal, by the way. We also include this show free of the network ads with better audio. If you use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, we give you a 20% discount on five-year-and-lifetime subscriptions, theparacast.plus, P-L-U-S, theparacast.plus. Ron Yakavetti, thanks for joining us on the Powercast. Thank you very much for having me. It's been awesome.
0: The Paracast featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.